It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 509 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, May 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. We're rolling out the MLB Network as well. Lots of college programs covered in Lockdown fashion as well. And also... Uh, we are available on all of the podcast platforms. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya, which is a new podcast app, which we have a partnership with at Lockdown Podcast Network. And it's great. If you're in the market for a new podcast app, Himalaya is the one to try out. Uh, on today's show, the Raptors got their butts whipped by the Philadelphia 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 76ers in Game 6 in Philly on Thursday night. And joining me to break it all down as I stumble through my words like a buffoon, it's Vivek Jacob, someone who's not a buffoon. How's it going, man? I will probably be stumbling through my words uh, <laughs> as well. Uh, like I said, just finished the soccer run, very much out of breath, uh, and currently trying to navigate traffic. So, uh, yeah, this should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike the rap. <laughs> yeah. Please feel fair to... Please feel free to uh, like do swears while you're driving at uh, idiot drivers that will liven up the podcast quite uh, <laughs> qu- quite with a nice note there. Um, but I'm already sorry to everyone who's listening. I hosted three hours of radio this morning, and I have no more ability to talk. So this is going to be a very word stumbly podcast. I'm thinking. So just put up with it, okay? You guys know my inability. Since you, since you mentioned English. the driving thing, this has happened twice today. Yeah, and it is one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, so everyone listening, if you are at uh, a red light and you're making the left and there's a left advance, you should know that there is a left advance coming up and not consume like five seconds of the left advance, not noticing that you have a left advance. Mm. And then only like a single car or two cars can go and now you're stuck waiting again. Yeah, I hate those people. Um, it, it's I don't understand it either because it's always just a mad rush. I want to get through the advance. I'm like I'm going somewhere. I don't want to just like yeah. hang out at the advance. It's so annoying. Um, this has been Traffic yeah. Corner with Vivek Jacob. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'd much rather talk about traffic than talk about Game 6, but we have a duty to fulfill. Um, Vivek, what was your biggest takeaway from last night's uh, complete and utter shit show? Um, well, the more things change, the more they seem to stay the same. Uh <laughs> We have, the Raptors have literally changed the entire team. Um, we thought that bringing in Kawhi and Danny and, and Gasol and, you know, uh, it's just it's just disappointing because, you know, you come into this game, especially off, off the vibe of Game 5 where everyone finally got going and you thought this was, you know, the team that you saw post 
uh, because it's all trade. Everyone's making threes. The ball's moving. Kawhi's getting uh, his touches and scoring, being everything you expect. And you expect that to carry over into game six. You know, I thought the lessons that they would have taken from losing that game one uh, to Orlando, from losing that game two uh, and the game three against Philadelphia would have helped them going into this game six. But it seemed like they were nothing. The bench gave you absolutely nothing uh, once again. Uh, Serge Ibaka was the only one that scored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it was crazy that uh, Fred Van Vliet and Powell managed to combine for 18 minutes and could not even attempt a single field goal. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of disappointment all around. Uh, Gasol, uh, I actually thought the first half he was doing all the right things. Uh, the shot wasn't going down, which can be frustrating, but I thought at least he was you know, taking the shots that he was supposed to get now. Mm-hmm. What played into the hands, part of why Ibaka and Gasol have been effective together is because Gasol has been making that three, and so it allows Ibaka to play inside uh, and have that bit of freedom. But when Gasol is not hitting that shot, um, you know, I guess the theory was that you know, as long as he's willing to take it, they'll have to re- start respecting it. But it seems like as long, until he's making it consistently, they won't respect it. So that sort of cut into the effectiveness of that Ibaka-Gasol pairing. Um, and overall, yeah, just the energy, um, the lack of desperation, that has been a theme now going into these games where you know the other team is going to come in fighting for their lives. And so it's really frustrating that they didn't come out with that same intensity. Yeah. Uh, the more we go into this playoff run and the more that we sort of compare this year to seasons past, I wonder if just like every team is just inconsistent and prone to screwing up in the playoffs. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like just the Raptors. We maybe sort of make it seem so and conflate it because Raptors fans like to be defeatist, but like everyone kind of goes through it in the playoffs. It's not supposed to be easy unless you're the Warriors, right? And I know the Cavs did their thing, but even they get, they, they went seven with the, the, the Celtics and the Pacers last year. Like maybe it's just harder than we expect it to be. Does that make sense? Like I, I know we kind of go in and think, oh man, this team's different. They're just going to steamroll. But like if you think back well, yeah, through I mean, history... How many teams actually so steamroll? It's, it's not even about the steamroll, right? It's yeah. about um, the intangible, the lack of intangibles that you saw in this game, right? Yeah. That That's the stuff that you expected um, when you sort of change the makeup of this team, the toughness uh, to fight through. When, when, you, when you look at Ben Simmons going and getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound after offensive rebound, um, there has to be a response to that. Mm-hmm. And there never was. Uh, I mean, you know... When, if I remember correctly, Philly had um, two separate sort of 9 0 runs in the first quarter alone. Mm-hmm. Then they go in the, uh, into the second quarter and have another big run there. You know, I thought what in game four, if you remember the desperation that Nick Nurse managed that game with, you know, in terms of playing the best six guys he had yeah. as much as possible, uh, in terms of, you know, really calling timeouts maybe ahead of time and keeping the crowd out of it, there was none of that in this game. Yeah, I did not like Nurse's rotations in this game. There was, like, just too many lineups that it was, like, the first time we'd ever seen it. By this time, you should kind of trust your certain lineups and kind of know what you want to do. Even if, like, Van Vliet and Powell, and to a lesser extent, but still there, you know, still his struggles are still present, Abaka, um, like, even if they're not going to give you a ton, like, you should at least know lineups where those guys will at least work, right? And where you can kind of work around their shortcomings. And... 
it just was not there last night. They didn't match Gasol with Embiid uh, in the same way that they did so rigorously in games four and five. Um, it seemed like maybe because Boban ended up getting the call as the backup center that Nurse was worried about having a Baca out there against Boban, which Nick Nurse, dude, you should not be worried about that. And they proved that in the second quarter, I think, when they went on the run when Boban was in there with a Baca playing center. Like, that is fine. You can get away with that. Boban sucks ass. Like, he's really, really bad. And a is fine there. So you didn't have to forego what you were doing with Gasol and Embiid. Like, matching Embiid is, is the utmost importance. And it's not like Gasol did an amazing job on Embiid in this one. Um, I mean, but Embiid was still 4-15. It was just everything that he did defensively, I thought, that was really sort of the, the difference in this one. But just the, the rotation, it just didn't really jive with it. There were a couple times where it was just like, oh, yeah, let's throw Pascal and Kawhi out there with three bench guys and see how it works. Oh, here's the two point guards with Pascal, Serge, and Gasol. Like, okay, when have we ever seen that? When have two point guards worked in this series? Why is Fred on the floor at all? Like, it just, it wasn't a lineup that was going to work. And, I mean, I want to give the Raptors a little credit because, look, I don't think they were as bad as maybe it suggests they were. I mean, it got away from them in the third quarter for sure. But I thought, for the most part, they did a good job of trying to bounce back whenever the Sixers, you know, punched them, right? And they got to within six or seven a few times. And I thought that was pretty impressive. And usually you kind of expect, like, you get punched in the mouth two times in the second by the second quarter and you're kind of just going to lay down and it's going to be over and you're just running out the string. I didn't think the Raptors did that. I thought they had some moments where they looked pretty good. Most of them came when he was on the bench. I mean, how was Boban at minus 18 in seven minutes? That's fucking insane. But... That I thought they still did a good job for, you know, the first two and a half quarters at least of counterpunching when the Sixers would withstand their first punch. It just, it was never enough and you miss all those threes. They were 9 of 36 from deep. That's going to kill you. Like Danny Green had an awful, awful game. His defense was just a complete liability. Um, and, you know, the way that you, the Raptors in this series are at an advantage because none of their starters are active negatives on defense. They're all pretty much positives at this point. And, when you have Green getting torched by Jimmy Butler and you have to sort of make a decision of who Kawhi is going to guard and are you going to have him guard Butler and let Simmons go off or let him guard Simmons and have Butler go off, like it should not be that one of them has to go off. There should be enough in terms of resources to shut everybody down, but that just was not the case last night. I mean, J.J. Redick started getting going too. There were a few times where I thought Fred Van Vliet was particularly uh, malfeasant in letting go of him off the ball. Um, just a really, really lackluster defensive performance, you know, discipline-wise. And I uh, I hated it. <laughs> I really hated it. And so while I tried, tried to give them credit, I found, I found myself, you know, going back into uh, criticizing them. The offensive boards were insane. 16 offensive boards. Ben Simmons had four. Butler had three. Like, you can't have that. you got to box out, man. Like, it's rudimentary stuff. And I, I don't know. I, how are you feeling after this game? Does it change how you view, like, Game 7? Like, if this were a closer loss where the Raptors looked a little bit more sort of up for the fight, would you feel better about the Raptors going into Game 4? Or does your opinion change at all um, based on what happened in Game 6? I, I feel like it maybe shouldn't because there's just no through line between any of these goddamn games. This is an impossible series to predict. I have no idea what the hell is going on with it. And the narrative swings have been just enormous and exhausting after every single game. Um, but I don't know. How did the result here affect how you view Game 7 on Sunday? The result has affected how I view Game 7 in the sense that, um, again, you referred to the unpredictability. I honestly do not know which Raptors team will show up in Game 7. Yeah. That is what this Game 6 has shown me. I mean, I tweeted this earlier today. 
um, the Raptors are like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> so, um, yeah, come game seven, like, again, after getting it together in game five and really having a complete team performance, looking like the team that you've been for most of you know, that post-Gasol trade, I thought, okay, here we here we go. Everyone's feeling good about making their shots. You know, you, you stay in that rhythm, and you know the, that completely wasn't the case in Game Six. So now I go into Game Seven with no expectations of what I'm going to see. Kawhi is probably going to go out there and do his thing, but who's going to show up and join him? I honestly do not know. Um, so yeah, it's just more. I'm very much in wait and see mode because. I have no idea what to expect. Before we continue on talking about the game that we are trying to predict but it is entirely impossible to predict, we are going to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process, but today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That is ZipRecruiter.com, and if you're a listener to this podcast, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. And now my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at that site I mentioned, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So looking ahead to Game 7, I'm kind of just like flummoxed trying to even think of like adjustments or change. Like the series has kind of devolved to the point where it's just like one team played bad, the other team played good, and the team that played good wins by many points. That's just like what it is. I don't even know... These teams know each other so well at this point. The sub patterns are pretty well established at this point. Like, are there changes the Raptors can make other than just like not play shittily? Well, I mean, I think Kawhi has to spend a lot more time on Jimmy Butler yeah. in a game. Um, I really feel like as the series has gone on, uh, as opposed to Embiid, they have taken on the identity of Jimmy Butler yeah. and his toughness um, and his no nonsense mentality. And so I think. That is going to be a big key. Uh, as far as Embiid is concerned, he's someone that you definitely have to be worried about. Um, he was a plus 40 in the last game, in a game that they won by 11 points. Uh, so so that, that it would now, I mean, again with him, you don't know which Embiid is going to show up. So that's been another theme in the series. So if, if it's the good Embiid, then yeah, the Raptors uh, will have a lot to deal with. Again, you hope that Nurse goes back to uh, matching up the minutes with Gasol. And, yeah, I think those are the two keys. Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, uh, keep Ben Simmons off the glass. Because, uh, you know, I, I think I, I thought that was a really smart move. You know, Ben Simmons hasn't really been able to get anything going offensively. So go get, go get some easy buckets uh, off the offensive glass. 
uh, Raptors have been killed in that department, save for that game five. So I thought that was a smart move to try and get him going. Um, but yeah, realistically, if, if if Philly has their starting five putting up the numbers uh, that they put up in game six, the Raptors are going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, uh, first of all, thanks to Ben Simmons for listening to the podcast. I'm assuming he listened to Katie Heindel refer to him as a dog catcher who only catches cats. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, um, so good on you, Ben Simmons. Thanks to hope, hopefully you subscribed, rated, and reviewed. Um, yeah, that's the thing is like you can say that you don't know what the Raptors are going to be when they show up, but like the same applies to the Sixers. I mean. Tobias Harris has been not particularly good in the series. Even last night, he didn't shoot very well. Um, Redick has been all over the map in terms of his performance. Mostly bad, but sometimes good. And, like, even when he's bad, like, last night he was only 3 of 10 from deep. But the ones he hit felt like backbreakers. And I do agree that Kawhi needs to be on Butler more often. I know Simmons is dangerous if he's got someone that he can easily blow by, but... I think Butler, as their pick-and-roll sort of maestro, I mean, he's averaging like a shit ton of assists in this series, probably 7 or 8, I think is the exact number. Um, he had 25, 6, and 8 last night. He is just kind of conducting the offense in a really crisp and clean way, and the times where he's been at his worst have been when Kawhi's on him, fighting through screens, just giving him all kinds of help at the top of the pick-and-roll. And in terms of Simmons, like, I don't know what the best option for him right now is. I don't think it's Lowry, because I think you need to have better size on him to help box him out. And I wonder if maybe it's Siakam and you throw Danny Green on Tobias Harris because Harris hasn't really proven himself to be all that much of a threat in this series. Um, it, it's really tricky, man. I, I, Lowry, had, I don't think, has done a great job chasing Redick around. It, it's They seem to have the pieces to defend the Sixers well. It's just it feels like the ones that are succeeding kind of... It, and the ones that are not succeeding, it kind of throws it all in a whack because they only have like specific guys who are probably tailored best to guard each guy, if that makes any sense. Um, the only one that's really sort of been steady the entire series is Gasol and Embiid, which has been mostly very good. Um, and it's kind of, you know, Reddick's had his ups and downs, and it's been a mixture of Lowry and Reddick on him. Uh, sorry, Lowry and Green on him. But I think Green maybe on Harris is the way to go. I don't Do you think, do you agree with that? that maybe Siakam's the guy? You give him the John Wall treatment and have him guard Simmons, and then you just sort of hope Harris can't really exploit Danny Green and, like, the, the slight size advantage he has there? Yeah, I think, I, I think that's a good way to go. I think Siakam, you know, I, he should be he should be uh, looking to make up for his game six performance as well. You know, I, I know he had a 20, another twenty point game, um, but uh, again, I think he was one of the culprits in the lack of intensity on the defensive end, mm-hmm. and you know, just getting caught out. Um, so, if <clears throat> I, I think again, he's someone that rises to the occasion. So, coming off the game that Ben Simmons has had, you task him with that responsibility. I think he'll step up to the challenge. So, I like that a lot. Um, again, uh, in terms of the Sixers getting into their rhythm, if you can take uh, Butler and Simmons away from the ball, maybe it makes life a little bit more difficult for Embiid in terms of where he's getting it and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that, that that's probably an ideal way to go. What do you think of... I know we've just mentioned Kawhi on Jimmy Butler is the way to go, but there have been some sequences where... Like, a couple possessions here and there where I think Siakam's done a really amazing job on Butler. Like, maybe a couple of, like, the best defensive possessions we've seen in the series have been right. 
with Siakam on Butler. Do you think that's more of a thing where that's just like a one-off, like throw a different look at Butler once in a while as opposed to having him be the primary guard on him because of maybe, you know, his size, he might be more prone to getting caught up in the pick and roll and sort of getting hung up on screens and stuff like that? Um, Or do you think maybe that's a viable option? If you want to keep Leonard on Simmons, just have Siakam guard Butler because, again, I I can't find the matchup data right now, but it has been pretty, anecdotally speaking, pretty interesting to see... Siakam guard Butler once in a while. The, the size obviously is a very real thing. The quickness, he can stick with Butler. Butler's not exactly like the most explosive guy in the world. Um, so I don't think Siakam's lateral quickness will be that much of a detriment, even though I guess the calf might still be a lingering thing. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking with the uh, with, with how that could look if you were to just throw Siakam on, uh, on Butler and just have him be the primary guy? I think either way, if those are the two looks that you could go with, whether it's Kawhi on Butler, Kawhi on Simmons, and then Siakam on the other. Yeah. Um, stop the actions. You're guaranteed to have one on the other, right? So um, th- I think that should be the focus. Those are the two guys that you try to take out of it. Again, it, you don't you don't expect Ben Simmons to have another zero turnover game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that's more an anomaly good for him for to, uh, for stepping up to the challenge and uh, playing the way he did in a, in a must win game. But I think you would expect uh, on the Raptors' home floor that uh, Kawhi or uh, uh, Siakam can have more of an impact. And I think the focus will be higher. I think the intensity will be higher. Home court doesn't make, any, make a difference. And uh, that's why the Raptors have done well to put themselves in this position mm-hmm. um, where they can play a Game 7 on uh, their home floor. So, you know, you just, you just hope that you see the team that play you know game game one and game five maybe not games two games three game six yeah it's hard to understate the importance of this game too man it's uh, god i mean i i said i said i said it uh on the yahoo post game show last night you lose game seven i think you lose Kawhi leonard uh i i think he he needs to as much as uh, the Raptors are talking about winning um, and selling him on that. I think part of you know this, the, these conversations that are out now about you know who's the best player in the game is it Kawhi? Is it Giannis? Is it uh, Kevin Durant? Is it James Harden? You know, part of that is getting to uh, the top of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And he needs to believe that he has a team around him that can help him be viewed that way. You're not going to be viewed that way if you keep falling, you know, in conference semis. So. Again, I, I really think that this is a defining moment for the franchise because uh, if if they lose this game seven and you lose Kawhi Leonard, um, as amazing as Siakam is, I think um, this can go in a very different re- direction pretty quick. Yeah, this does kind of have the uh, the same sort of air as game seven against the Pacers did, where very much like a pivot point yeah. for the franchise, either... You lose the game, and like Kyle's probably traded in the offseason. They probably let DeMar walk, and you're just kind of hitting refresh. And it's like, all right, we had, that was a fun little run we had, but obviously it wasn't enough losing in the first round three years in a row. And this will be three years in a row losing in the second round, which honestly, like, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it. I am very much on the record of saying make the second round every year. I'm cool with that as just like a general sort of um, way to be a fan. But in this context with Kawhi, it's it's very different, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing because because of 
how you built up to this point with this roster, uh, the sacrifices that you've made for the future, I think that's why a conference semifinal is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, all regular season with the load management, with the rest, with everything, you made it very clear that everything was about the postseason. And so for it to end in 12 games would be extremely disappointed. And I think um, the franchise would have to take it on the chin and, you know, own that this was a complete failure if they if, it, if they do fall short in Game 7. Mm-hmm. I, I, while I agree it's probably more likely that they lose Kawhi if they lose, I will say it does feel like there's a lot of just guesswork going on with Kawhi and, like, what he wants. And, yes, I know, like, getting deep in the playoffs definitely yeah, helps my- the case. But, like... I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose any stays. Like, maybe that's dumb. Maybe that's foolish to say. But it feels like with maybe maybe just like Woj sounding like kind of optimistic uh, on on his podcast earlier this week is poisoning my brain a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I will. I do think though. Like, it's it, you can't really understate how important this game is. Like, it's it's goddamn massive. Um, by the way, Pascal Siakam in Game 5 guarded Jimmy Butler on 11 possessions. They scored four points as a team in those possessions. So, more of that, please. <laughs> um, I found the matchup data for 45 minutes after we finished talking about that thing. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the biggest Raptors game since blank. Biggest Raptors game since... I mean, I I guess I would say game one against Cleveland last year. Yeah. You know, I really thought... I really thought that that was sort of another defining moment where, you know, you go into that fourth quarter and you're feeling good about the Raptors and you're actually starting to say, hey, this team is different. And then everything that happened in that fourth quarter... um, has basically bled into the roster that you see now. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, all those all those bad omens sort of came back. Um, and, you know, you go from thinking that the Raptors can beat the uh, a Cavaliers team with LeBron to seeing them get, getting swept again. You, you, lose, you lose to the 76ers, um, who are a very good team, great starting five. But to lose it in this fashion, where you know Kawhi has been incredible, like he he's had a series like an all-time level series, mm-hmm. um, and so to lose it with home court advantage, to not really have anyone join him uh, outside of Siakam on a consistent basis, um, that that's a tough look because you know at the end of the day you need those other guys to really step up and the bench. I mean, I can't I can't believe how long they're sort of terribleness has just continued. <laughs> yeah, the bench is really, really exhausting right now. Uh, I was bandying about this question today on the radio. If I set the over-under on Raptors who play minutes non-garbage time division in Game 7 at 7.5, are you taking the over-under? 
Um, I, what you talking about, like the bench as a whole? I'm talking like the entire team. Mm-hmm. Like, do they cut out one of Powell or Van Vliet because it's a must-win game and they have done oh, nothing? Oh, okay, okay, the rotation. Yeah. Um, seven and a half. I, I will actually take the over. Yeah, I think so too. Just, just because I think he will still, I think Nurse will still give uh, Fred Van Vliet sort of a first uh, late first quarter early second quarter leash mm-hmm. see where he's at and I think normal still get minutes again um, and obviously surge and then he'll make a decision from there you know who do, who, who do I have for this game and you know by late first quarter end of the, the second I mean uh, you know beginning of the second quarter he, he'll say okay these are the guys I can roll with and then we'll go so um, yeah I, I think you'll still see the eight guys out there in terms of minutes um, yeah, you you probably see. Uh, I I mean, ideally, I would like to see it go back to the sixth man, or you know, maybe seventh man if it will want of Fred or Norm or maybe McCaw is really giving you something. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice if one of those guys just kind of popped and had themselves a out of body experience, huh? <laughs> like James Ennis has had some games. Uh, Mike Scott was good last night for the first time in the series. The Sixers have gotten those little weird like bonus games from guys who are bad, typically. And the Raptors bench guys are not typically bad. In these playoffs, they have been, sure. And like Ibaka's been, I think, pretty passable the last few games. And I think the big lineup has actually helped them a little bit. But, um, you know, what's the point of running the big lineup if you're going to give up 16 offensive rebounds, right? So, like, the, he's got to be much better, too. Um, Ibaka only got three Kawhi rebounds last night. The bench. What's that? Double the entire bench. What was that, they sorry? Need Kawhi to elbow the oh. bench. Oh, hell yeah. Just, like, go smash some foreheads. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I would take... Uh, they'd probably play eight guys again, but I would say the second half, if things are tight, I could really see yeah. Nurse just trying to ride these guys as hard as possible because, like, it'll have to happen for Philly, too, in particular with Embiid because they are falling apart when Embiid's not on the court, and you can't afford to fall apart for any part of a, of a game seven and so i wonder maybe that's a thing that sort of lays in the raptors advantage if he gets up near 37 38 40 minutes maybe he starts getting a little fatigued maybe his effectiveness is a little bit um you know escalated down just a tiny little bit maybe that's the margin you need um they can't have him be being a plus 40 again that's for damn sure they have to like yes they have to take advantage of the minutes where he's off the floor like they did last night and I can't imagine we'll see Boban again although I would love to see Boban again please Brett Brown play Boban he's great <laughs> but yeah I wonder if like I, I'm curious to see how much Embiid's gonna play because of obvious his just obvious impact on winning and the same goes for the Raptors guys like I feel like everyone should be either at or above 40 minutes in the starting five it's God, game seven fucking sucks. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think between both Kawhi and Siakam, I could get them. Uh, I could see them getting maybe two to four minutes off in the first half. Yeah, and then Nurse just running them for all twenty-four in the second. Yeah, I, what's heartening at least is there's two days off here, and Siakam I think looked pretty good health-wise in game mm-hmm. six. He looked pretty spry. Um, and he, I mean, obviously he did in game five too. So hopefully his calf thing is at least a little bit behind him. 
and uh, it's not going to get re-aggravated or anything like that, but <sighs> I just didn't. It was always going to be this way, but man, I would have given anything for it not to be this way. I box guess if chocolates, you're a, man, box of damn chocolates. Yeah, and the Sixers are just as much a box of chocolate, except they have more coconut ones, which are bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you? I don't know. What's your confidence level? I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because predictions in this series are goddamn futile. But do you, like, are you feeling okay about the Raptors' chances based on the flow of the series, based on the fact that they're at home, based on the fact that they have Kawhi goddamn Leonard? Uh, who has missed like I think his last eight threes in this series, which is uh, not awesome, but uh, his I'm sure his shooting splits are still insane over the course of the entire series. Um, I don't know where's your head at right now. Are you full on Raptors fan despair mode, or are you somewhere optimistic, somewhere in between? Where are you at? I mean, we've been mostly down on this podcast, so the one thing I will say is at the end of the day, the Raptors will have the best player in the series in a must win situation. So you have to like your chances uh, with that. I think, I, I honestly, in terms of my disappointment, it's more, in, uh, you know, just thinking maybe ahead to what they can possibly do against the Bucks because th- those guys are just rolling, man. They look like a well-oiled machine that just won't stop. Everyone's doing, you know, executing their roles to perfection. And so, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to ra- the Raptors to get on the roll and maybe take some confidence from winning both a game five and a game six, but that hasn't happened. And so I think it's just more um, in terms of those title aspirations, I'm I'm finding it hard to see that as a reality right now. Yeah, I... Game seven, they can win. Um, It's more about a longer run beyond that. Yeah, I think I feel pretty good about game seven. I, as much as I've sounded uh, morose on this podcast, I still think like, the home court advantage thing really matters as much as it seems like it doesn't sometimes. Like it really does matter, and I think it especially matters for the Sixers because they seem. I made this comment last night, and our friend uh, Adam Aronson uh, got mad at me for it, but I stand by it. They're like a more talented Wizards. When things go really well, they are like a front-running group of dudes who love each other. When things go poorly, they're sulky. They get away from what makes them good. And I think the home crowd has a lot to do with what makes the Sixers good. So it's nice the Raptors have home court advantage for this game. If you're a sucker for poetry, I guess it's like it's a nice way to cap off the 18 years of revenge um, since Game 7 against the Sixers back in 01. Uh, I don't know. I feel pretty confident they'll win. As far as the Bucks go, I mean... It's probably too premature to get there because, you know, there's a game seven to be played in one. But I, I still think I would like to see the Bucks against either a team that is not completely destitute like the Pistons were or a team that doesn't hate each other and is just like kind of unimpressive across the board like Boston. Uh, I think both Philly and Toronto are just like light years better than Boston. So I think it'll be a much more difficult matchup whether they win or not. Like I think it's it's hard to say, but... Um, and you got to see a couple games of the series before you can make any sort of grand assertions as to how it looks because the Raptors and Bucks have not played each other really with their full complement of guys all season long. But yeah, it, it's it, it's obviously it would have been much more if if it yeah it would have been a lot more sort of easy on the mind had they won Game Six and had a few days off here to rest for Game One on Monday. They still get two days off. It's not like they have one day off and are right back into it. So that's a bit of a break if they do win on Sunday, but. 
Um, it, I think more people, even just like narratively, and in terms of people just talking about the series, like I feel like more people would have liked the Raptors' chances against Milwaukee had they closed out the 76ers in six with a nice win on the road. What people think I don't think really matters because people who make predictions are idiots. I am one of those people, um, as is Paul Pierce. But <laughs> um, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think the 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 Bucks thing, let's just put a pin in it because I'm not sure that they're, like, they're very, very good and scary. And I'd probably pick them to win the series in like seven or something like that. But um, I don't think we know what the Bucks really are yet because they haven't played a team that's really worthy of playing them. I think both Philly and Toronto are that. So we'll get to that next week, hopefully. If not, it'll be a real depressing ass Monday, baby. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. It's a perfect way to end. Yeah, I think that's going to do it. Vivek, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I uh, just watch out for my usual stuff uh, on Yahoo Sports uh, Canada. And oh, the one thing I will confirm is I know we usually do the post game show. Uh, for road games only, but because this is a game seven mm-hmm. and potentially the last game of the season, we will be doing a post game show after game seven as well. Sounds good. Uh, make sure you watch it; it's very good. At Yahoo Sports CA on Twitter, is that the handle you go to? Uh, at Yahoo CA Sports. Okay, right. Okay, perfect. Someone messed up there, but <laughs> I actually own Yahoo Sports CA, and I'm waiting for them to pay me off. <laughs> um, yeah, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, as always. If you are uh, looking for basketball that's not stressful and is very fun and fast-paced, uh, I am calling the Guelph Nighthawks Saskatchewan Rattlers game tomorrow on CEBL.tv at 7 o'clock. Tune in for that. It'll be fun. The first games of the CEBL were on last night, and uh, they were a nice little treat. The Saskatchewan-Niagara game was goddamn wild and it's FIBA rules so there's no live ball timeouts which leads to absolute chaos late in games there was almost a half court he- half court heave that won the game for Saskatchewan in that game it was awesome and it's going to be fun so stay tuned to cbl.tv where I'll be doing play by play throughout the season and uh, I'll be also be on CTV news channel on Sunday at about noon I think to tee up game 7 that'll be fun I'm sure or or anguishy I don't, I haven't decided yet <laughs> I haven't decided what the brand's going to be that day I'm going to probably, it's, I'll, I'll be hanging out in its fine island probably, but um, we'll have to uh, see how I'm feeling the morning of. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, once again, subscribe, rate, review. That's very, very helpful, and it makes us feel very good when you leave those nice reviews. And that's going to do it. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next time, probably Sunday after Game 7, with another episode of hopefully happy version of Lockdown Raptors. If not, oh boy, it's going to be dark. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Cheers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.